Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Doug Laney. I'm the Data and Analytics Strategy Innovation Fellow with West Monroe. In today's episode, I'm joined by Derek Korick, General Manager of Data Management at Pivotry, and we're going to be talking about the concept of frictionless commerce. Welcome, Derek. Thank you. It's good to be here. So tell us, what is frictionless commerce? It's not a term that I think is in the common vernacular. Um, Why don't you fill us in a little bit on on that? So frictionless commerce really relates to how customer expectations and buyer expectations are changing so that everything is really, you know, at your fingertips, at a moment's notice, you know, you click it, you buy it, you get it. And, um, you know, it gets delivered in, you know, with breathtaking speed um, and, um, you know, with with flawless execution every time and and even beyond, you know, you deciding you needing something and being able to order and get it very quickly. Um, But even being able to anticipate your needs, being able to suggest things that you should be, you know, looking at or thinking at based on, you know, choices um, that you've made in the past. So we really see technology coming together um, in a very cohesive way to provide buyers with, um, you know, an ability to, to get what they want, you know, very quickly with, with, with really no, with no friction points, with no, nothing to stop them. It's just the free flow of goods, the free flow of information and the f- free flow of great, you know, great, great experiences that deliver what I want, when I want it and how I want it. So is this different than digital commerce? I mean, digital commerce sounds very technical, whereas frictionless commerce sounds a little bit more oriented toward the consumer and the, and, and, and the provider. It, it is. So, so- you know, the basic need hasn't changed um, in you know, thousands of years. And that is, you know, trust by get. And the idea is that, you know, sellers need to find their customers. Customers need to find the, the goods and the sellers that they want to do business with. You have to establish uh, trust in that transaction. You have to be able to execute the buying transaction. And then you have to be able to deliver the thing you, uh, that you said you were going to deliver. Um, digital commerce has changed how that's done. It used to be a very physical interaction and now it's it's more digital where people go online they look for things they, they, they find what they want hopefully they get the right information certainly folks like you know Amazon has, has really set some expectations around the speed which you know you can you, you can get things delivered to your doorstep and you know we're starting to see things around you know drone drone transportation that's delivering things you know within hours where you know it used to take um, you know you know some period of time um, and so And so digital commerce, you know, historically was, you know, I spin up a website, I spin up a store, I implement, you know, implement technology that, you know, uh, lets me, you know, drive, you know, search results, people find my brand, they buy what they want, you know, I fulfill it, and, you know, maybe they return it, maybe they keep it. Whereas I think in the world of frictionless commerce, rather than, you know, me putting stuff out there where the customer has to find me. I'm going to be in a position where, you know, I'm finding, I'm finding the customers, I'm delivering things automatically because for example, I, I have access to your refrigerator and I know you're just about out of milk and all of a sudden, you know, milk just gets delivered because, uh, because that's that, you know, that's the thing that you need. We're, we're going to have more and more things kind of brought to us where we're able to, with a click of a button or the wink of an eye or however that's going to work, we're able to very, very quickly get the things we need, you know, even maybe before we need them. So from a, from a technology perspective, uh, it would seem that the things like data science, IoT, 3D printing, and AI all enable and have accelerated frictionless commerce. But 
Um, therein are, are a number of problems that organizations probably have with, with achieving frictionless commerce. So I wonder if you can kind of talk about those. Sure. And one, one of the things we've noticed is that over the co- course of the last you know, 20 years, things have really you know, accelerated in terms of our fine trust by get. And it's still challenging for a lot of organizations to you know, deliver great, you know, great customer experiences to, to, to drive, uh, and especially in the B2B space right now, we're finding you know, uh, really driving the find part of the, uh, of the equation uh, can get very challenging. And so a lot of brands and organizations and business leaders are having challenges in today's world um, where we've got you know, marketplaces, branded websites, um, you know, multiple channels where you know, things are moving at really, really fast speeds and getting to the customer first um, is really an advantage with the best possible data, the best possible digital assets and the best possible experience. And so even in today's world, it's very challenging. In tomorrow's world, it's going to be, you know, for, for, a lot of, for a lot of organizations, it's really almost impossible to get there from here. And the reason that we find that, um, it, at least from, from our perspective, the thing that we find the, the most challenging is really around data. It's the data itself, um, the ability to, you know, the access to it, the availability of it, um, the consistency of it across business functions, the quality of it, uh, completeness of it. Then, you know, once you, once you overcome that, oftentimes, you know, getting there, it's, you know, it's time consuming, it's expensive. It's, um, it, you know, uh, some, you know, most of the, most organizations aren't, don't have high quality data across their, their entire portfolio, but they have to choose. So they pick their, you know, their top 20% of sellers and, you know, they try to, you know, really make sure that those SKUs are you know, doing very well out in the marketplace. Uh, and once you have all of that, even if you have the great data, another challenge that we have is what we call interoperability. So ability to, for, for the you know, business operations channels and everything else to access consistent data to drive analytics and, and, um, and, and user experience. And we feel like a lot of that is all driven by what we like to call, or we don't like to call it, but it's called technical debt, which is that people have just piled, you know, disparate systems on disparate systems to solve discrete problems. But what happens is you take a structured, you know, application, a, an ERP, a, you know, monolithic commerce system, WMS, whatever those systems are, and you, have to you know deconstruct the data, reconstruct it to be consumed by that system, put it in the system, maintain it in that system, and um, spend a lot of time you know managing it in discrete places. And the next thing you know, the data is completely you know dispersed across the organization. It's very difficult to get a common view of it, and it's very difficult for to to, to drive sort of you know consistency of outcome. Yeah, I refer to that as a data sprawl, but but there's a there's a larger kind of tech technical debt component to this too, right? Yeah, there, there, there is, which is that, um, you know, so, so I, I actually uh, like to use the analogy, but my, my, my kids have this little book that they like, and uh, it's about a, an old lady who swallows a fly, right? So she swallows, the, she swallows a fly, um, and then she swallows the spider to get the fly, she swallows the mouse to get the spider, she swallows the cat, oh, yeah. right? And it goes on and on and on. Until finally she's swallowing a horse, <laughs> never solves the problem. <laughs> she has to get rid of it. She has to she has to purge it. And I think that this is really where a lot of business leaders have been. They've tried to get this system to fix that system to fix this system to fix that system, and it's all piled on top of each other. So if you look at the technical landscape of most organizations, they don't lack technology. Um, they have tons of it. <laughs> it's everywhere, <laughs> but they're still they're still really hobbled and not as able to drive the kind of experiences. Both you know. 
with their suppliers internally and with their customers that they'd want to drive. And ultimately what they'll say is, hey, we need to get a big you know, orchestration component. And again, it's more technology. What our view is, and I think where, where we see the, the market going is, how do we stop focusing on the technology? Because quite frankly, most, most organizations aren't just after more technology, they're really after the data. So how do we move past, hey, I've got to go, uh, I've, I've got to go take on more technical debt. I've got to try to bring in more technology too. Let's stop that and let's get straight to the let's let's get straight to the target, which is to have great data that drives business outcomes. So there's there's a way to to improve data availability without incurring the significant technical debt that organizations have. Um, uh, what's what's kind of the model for this? So w- we see the market moving. You know, we, we we obviously had you know for years on-prem solutions where you know people you know had big servers, you know, server banks, and they installed the software, and you know you either had big you know enterprise firms with lots of modules that all got kind of cobbled together, or you know maybe you did a best in breed with some sort of integration layer, and then we said no, actually it's better. Well, we're going to move to the cloud. We're going to offer that software as a service, but it still kind of left you with the same problem, which is that people had to learn the software. They had to, um, you know, they had to implement business processes, you know, on their own. They had to go get the data. They had to make the data, you know, get the data into the software. Um, and it still left people with, you know, technical debt, which, um, which, which is hard to, uh, which is still hard to get out of. And so what we're starting to see is this move toward, you know, what we like, what we call as a service. So the idea is that rather than going and getting a system that deli- that, that you have to go and configure and um, bring data to and all the rest of it, let's just move past that and get you to the outcome itself. So we have, for example, something we call data as a service, which, you know, is, is an offering that, that, that lets uh, our customers um, access highly curated, at the moment, product data um, for use within their own within their own ecosystems, and you know, really channel ready data, and that is being delivered through sort of you know uh, API connectivity that um, lets customers you know plug into that without necessarily having to um, implement a full blown system in order to you know be able to con- consume it and use it. And what we also see is that this now becomes the foundation. You, you've heard. Gartner and others talk about things, you know, like, like, like the data fabric and all that sort of thing. Um, that then becomes the data foundation for everything that we would want to call composable. So the idea is that instead of us taking this, you know, structured data, restructuring it to fit in some system and we take the data to the system and have to maintain it there, it becomes that we, you know, we create the data fabric where these composable components can drop in and as they're, you know, as they're useful, we use them. And when they're not, we could throw them away and replace them. And, and, and we don't have to go through the same, you know, machinations that we, that we have previously with trying to implement new capabilities. So in creating data as a service, uh, metadata is very important to be able to align data sources. And, and then you also have to deal with perhaps the uh, performance implications of pulling data from multiple, multiple places into a single uh, business process. Uh, any, any guidance on on how to kind of overcome those challenges? So the metadata is you know very important, and, and it's actually a big big part of the uh, the, the offering because obviously it, it is the way that you can can quickly you know maintain you know referential integrity, find things, and create those relationships without necessarily having to create a lot of structure. Let's call it. 
uh, and and what we're re- what we're finding at the moment is that our machine learning capability is giving us a, a, a an ability now to do a lot of that work uh, much faster. The the old methods were were quite manual, where you'd have to go in, you'd have to discover your data in all of your systems, um, you know, put it into spreadsheets, try to try to make it you know fit together. Maybe you put it into another you know data source, data lake, data warehouse, whatever you want. And then you know manually go through and and try to uh, create those relationships, try to create that consistency, um, you know, uh, figure out you know wh- wh- where the data you know was was first um, created, where it's being maintained, all the rest of it. We we now have the ability to leverage technology that lets us do do that, plus go through the the business processes, the data maintenance, the data management components, where you know the machine begins to learn as it you know as it continues to process this uh, information um, the machine starts to learn and then those components become you know reusable and end up you know we're able to deliver you know those data outcomes very very quickly does, it, does all of this have any impact on the future of software as a service and and its adoption yeah i, th- I think that it will because when when people deliver software they're delivering software at that point it's up to whoever's using the software to figure out how they want to use it and to get the outcomes that they're looking for. So I produce a piece of technology, I hand it to you. Uh, it does everything you want it to do, assuming you know what you want it to do, and assuming uh, and assuming you you know you know you have the technical chops and all the rest of it to configure it, integrate it, all the rest of it, and and, and to go get the data. Um, where I think we can call it outcomes as a service um, starts to really have a lot of appeal is that um, you don't have to you don't have to play with the software necessarily anymore. You can just get the thing that you're after, which you know is is data, which is um, uh, commerce capability, supply chain capability, without necessarily you know without necessarily having to um, you know have a whole army of technical people that are there spending millions of dollars to configure a piece of software for you. Yeah, great. So listen, as we wrap up, what are your thoughts on how an organization? can get started with frictionless commerce, both, and I imagine there's both kind of a technical and, and a cultural or organizational um, side to this as well. Yeah, I, th- I think part of, um, I think part of what we've seen is that culturally, you know, folks tend to think in the frame in which they work and they tend to think in the systems in which they work. So for mm-hmm. people that are in supply chain, you know, they tend to think of, you know, they tend to think of that flow of acquisition through to, you know, some sort of delivery in, in the frame of the work that they do today and the systems that they have today. And so when you talk to somebody that's really into supply chain, they have a very hard time thinking outside of what their ERP does. They have a very hard time thinking outside of, let's call it like the data structures of a merchandising hierarchy. They have a very hard time thinking through that kind of thing. So I think the I think the first thing to do is don't necessarily start at the beginning, but start at the end. Ask okay. myself, what outcomes am I looking for? And then what is the shortest way to get there? And if I go back up through the business processes, if I go back up through the systems and I ask myself, um, to the extent that those you know, processes and systems are adding value, that's great. But what if I didn't need to do that? What if I could get to this, uh, I could get to this outcome without the manual work, without the, you know, without the checking and the phone calls and the emails and the file transfers and the, what if I could get there without all of that? Would that be valuable? Would I want to do that? And if the answer to that question is yes, then I think 
it's time to really start thinking about, okay, how do I, how do I get very focused on my business outcomes and the quickest way to achieve those outcomes and get off of, get off of the existing process and get off of the existing technology and, and, and abstract that out and then try, try to make it, you know, my, my, my fastest path to an outcome. Once you do that, then I think it's really easy to start talking about, okay, how can today's technology and how can service providers that are, you know, providing outcomes as a service, for example, you know, how, how do they help me accelerate that process? And, um, and, and I think that's the, the, the culture shift we have to make, which is to get away from the work and the activities and get away from the systems and get straight to what do I want to achieve? And is there a faster way to, and is there a faster way to achieve it without all this? Other- yeah. I love that. Love that concept of outcomes as a service. Yeah. Thanks Derek for all your invaluable insights on today's topic. And uh, thank you to everyone who listened to our conversation. If uh, you would like more information on what we discussed today, make sure you head over to pivottree.com. And we'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Uh, Follow the conversations on our social media at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great uh, daily content, head over to EM360Tech.com.